0: It's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on SiriusXM Patriot. All right, if you want to follow the live feed from Court TV here on SiriusXM, you want to catch Vinny Politan, Julie Grant, and the rest of the crew. It's channel 793. If you want to follow live, joining us now live is lead anchor Vinny Politan. How you doing, sir? Excellent. How you been, Andrew? Fine, how are you? Um, long time since we saw you around the hallowed halls of Sirius XM. I wanna I wanna do my best to keep this in 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 balls and strikes and and, 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 and procedure rather than, than any opinion. So let me ask you this: the judge in the case, Cahill, uh, made a statement that the public statements by Maxine Waters. May have thrown an X factor into this case. It could open the door for an appeal where maybe the appellate court wouldn't have heard the case. Just give me your take on the judge's statement about politicians making statements in this case.
1: It's been a problem since the beginning. Uh, And Judge Cahill has been battling all of this, right? You got the highest profile case in the nation already. Uh, we know what happened after the death of George Floyd, and he's trying to get a fair and impartial jury. He's trying to keep them from being influenced from outside uh, sources. So it's been a challenge for him. But here was the problem with Maxine Waters, is that it creates an issue uh, for appeal. Now, an appellate issue only becomes relevant if he's convicted. So we haven't gotten to that point yet. But that's the concern of every judge, is, right, I do the trial, we, we get to a verdict, we don't want to do this again. And Maxine Waters, uh, by making that very public statement, the jury was not sequestered. Uh, they were home. Uh, that is something that they could hear. And it's not just about talking about the case. This takes it to a different level. We're talking about the potential to um, influence a jury or, or, or uh, coerce a jury into a certain verdict to prevent certain things from happening. So it was it was it could be looked at as almost a a threat that, hey, if you don't give us the right verdict, which is guilty, then there could be more violence in the streets. And that's on you, jury. So that's how it becomes an issue uh, rather than just the publicity of the case. Um, But in order for it to be a successful appellate issue, you'd have to have evidence that a juror heard it. Evidence that it influenced the jury and evidence that even though it influenced the jury, um, it, 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 it actually impacted uh, the verdict in the case. So there's a lot of other hurdles, but it creates an unnecessary issue in a case that already has a gazillion uh, problems circling around it because of the nature of the case.
0: I was watching your broadcast last night, and obviously this is this is your lane, right? You cross all the T's, you dot all the I's, you look for all the nuances in the trial. My wife's a big fan, by the way. Uh, she wanted me to tell you that, you know. Awesome, like, you know, awesome. So, so, she, you she, married she a good a fan. gal there, Andrew. She, well, she's a criminology major. She she loves court TV. Uh, it just, it, it speaks to her. So for those of us that are observing, not in the legal profession, you you have the prosecution that has what i think most of us consider pretty damning evidence that's the, the 9 minute video plus um you did you did have some conflict between medical examiners and experts and then you have the defense was it i i don't know if it's considered an act of desperation or just being you know a defense lawyer tries their best to represent their client bringing up this issue of the exhaust of the patrol car it seems like the the if I'll use, try to use the word velocity or at least the wind in the sails, it seems like the prosecution uh, had a better path toward conviction than the defense had to to uh,
1: not guilty. Uh, just tell me. Tell me where we are in this. I, I agree. With you. Well, first of all, I'll look at it this way. Prosecutors were handed the most powerful piece of evidence that any prosecutors ever been given in a case. Think about the impact that that original video had, not just on Minneapolis, not just on Minnesota, not just on the United States, but around the globe. So that is a piece of evidence that prosecutors are using, the video of George Floyd dying, okay? So you take that, and already it's an uphill battle, because we know the impact that that had on people who saw it. The jury saw that video. Some of them, it was the first time they had seen it from start to finish. So... That is the huge head start that they get. Now, the the part of the case that initially was a problem for prosecutors was the cause of death, believe it or not, because of the medical examiner, Dr. Baker, and his findings, where his findings were not that George Floyd's air path was cut off and he couldn't breathe, which is what everyone saw in the video, and that was what the story was. The medical examiner's uh, opinion was not— Uh, in sync with the video. So what did prosecutors do? They did something that I've never seen done before. They went out and got other experts, some of whom aren't even pathologists, to give the opinion on cause of death. I mean, in every case I've covered at Court TV, prosecutors put the medical examiner on the stand to explain to the jury the cause of death. Well, in this case, the cause of death wasn't exactly what prosecutors believed it was needed it to be and wasn't totally in sync with the video so they got a pulmonologist they got a cardiologist and then they got a a pathologist who worked who used to work in hennepin county but doesn't work there anymore uh and didn't perform the autopsy so the, the the one doctor who performed the autopsy they minimized his impact in this case and brought in four other experts to talk about cause of death so they overcame their biggest obstacle Now, the jury doesn't know that this is unusual because this is the only case they're listening to. Right. But for me, having watched hundreds of trials, this is extremely unusual, but effective, I think, in the way they presented the case. So that that, again, dug a deeper hole for the defense who had a hard time uh, getting experts to sign on to their case uh, for many reasons. One might be the facts of the case. The other may be the politics associated with it.
0: Now is this part this seems to me and I remember watching the Mike Brown case that when the media takes a piece of evidence and says okay this this is an absolute here this is the outcome should be xyz I always say on this program I said it with Nicholas Sandman I said it with Duke Lacrosse I said that doesn't matter What matters is what the prosecution presents and what the defense presents. And in that back and forth in this trial with a judge presiding over what the jury sees and what the rules of the trial are, we may get a different outcome, which is why the media and politicians should give deference to the people who are actually presenting the case rather than trying to determine
1: the outcome before ever
0: seeing the evidence.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, there's a, 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 you know, we, use this term all the time rush to judgment it's used by people uh, all, all the time uh but there is a it, it happens a lot especially in cases where there's a video right or if there's a video but let's see the body cam so we see the entire video then let's find out what the autopsy says then let's find out uh some of the other surrounding facts ultimately in, in a trial um i trust juries i absolutely do uh because they take their job very seriously they listen to the instructions of the judge Um, And the judges give lawful instructions in in the cases they just give lawful instructions. Once in a while, they'll make a mistake. But for the most part, they are doing the right thing and guiding the jury through this process. And that's what separates us from other nations. I mean, we have ordinary citizens come in and they all have to agree beyond a reasonable doubt. I mean, that standard is so high, right beyond a reasonable doubt. They all have to agree. We don't allow um, uh, mobs politicians or pundits to determine the outcomes in cases now the the i will say the rare exception in in the criminal justice system that i've been covering my entire career when things can get ugly and prosecutors can get off track is when the case becomes political and this one obviously is 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 in that world and it could go off the tracks and that's when we have danger, because the job of a prosecutor is to seek justice and the truth. It's not to win the case. Whatever the facts are, the facts are. Whatever the truth is, the truth is, and that's your job. The job of the defense is much different. It has nothing to do with the truth. It has to do with representing the interests of the accused. And, and that's the only way our system works, is if we have one attorney or, or one team representing those interests and the other side is representing the people, which is justice, which is the truth. And the only time I've seen prosecutors in my career get off that track, and I'm not saying it happened in this case, is when politics intersects with the law, and that's never a good thing.
0: Now, let's talk about the charges prosecutors seek. A um, Very high-profile case, Casey Anthony. Um, you, you, have, you have prosecutors that sometimes hear the call of, of, of the crowd they hear the call of the media or the court of public opinion, and I, I I I always say this as a non-legal professional that if you shoot for something, if you go for a charge that you do not have the evidence to support, then you're going to lose. So if let's say, and I'm you're going to have to lay this out for me. We only have about five more minutes. If manslaughter is the charge that they that, that is rock solid, but a any charge of 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 murder with any sort of uh, premeditation to it if they can't get that but that's what that's what the crowd wants if the prosecutor answers the call of the crowd then they may fail rather than saying to the crowd but this is what we actually have we can get him on manslaughter
1: absolutely i agree a thousand percent with with your analysis there um what i'll say in this case is is that prosecutors did not overshoot in, in in the case involving derek chauvin because they've charged him with second degree unintentional murder, okay? That is the equivalent of felony murder. They prove a felony. They prove that the felony caused the death. They get the conviction for second degree murder. They do not have to uh, prove that he intended to kill George Floyd. They don't even have to prove that he intended to inflict bodily harm on George Floyd. They just need to prove that he intended to apply force to George Floyd, which is pretty obvious from the uh, video and that force resulted in his death. According to Minnesota law, which which is very uh, pro prosecution on, on this particular charge, they have enough for second degree murder in this case. They absolutely okay. So wait, so let, 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 let,
0: let me make sure I get this c- correct. So that when you're looking at this. Whether or not Chauvin intended, the result is what he may be guilty of. So his actions, if they are proven to be linked to the death of George Floyd, he'll be convicted on the fact that his actions resulted in the death, even if he didn't intend to kill Floyd by his actions.
1: Absolutely. Because if he intended that result, that would be first-degree murder. We'd be in a whole different game here. We're in second-degree unintentional. It's a maximum of 40 years. Prosecutors will seek that maximum. But in most cases, you would probably get, if you're a guy like George Floyd with no record, you'd probably get about 20 years or so for second-degree unintentional murder. So they're not going for the the highest charge in Minnesota. They're going for second-degree. And second-degree, the only intent is the intent to apply force to George Floyd, which results in his death.
0: Okay, so what's the difference between manslaughter and and murder and and second degree murder? I'm 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 not a you know, I don't I don't this is not my lane. What is the difference between manslaughter and second degree murder?
1: Okay, so manslaughter is culpable negligence. He could be uh, his intent could be to apply a a restraint, a, a police restraint, which he believes is lawful and necessary under the circumstances, but does so in such a reckless manner. And it still results in his death. So it's got to result in his death. He has to cause the death. But his state of mind is culpable negligence. It's not the intentional application of force. It's just the negligence. And for manslaughter, it's a maximum of 10 years. Most people convicted with, again, Derek Chauvin's uh, history of of never being in trouble before with the law, uh, he'd probably serve a few years. So there's a big difference in time. Uh, And the difference, there's a big difference in state of mind as well. There's no, there's no intentional act at all. It's just whatever he's doing, he's doing uh, with criminal negligence, culpable negligence, which is extreme recklessness.
0: All right, we're going to run out of time here. I know that you are super busy and you got to get back to work. And uh, I know that, that when the. Uh, the the verdict comes down, you're going to be probably working overtime. I appreciate you giving us time. If we can get you back uh, after the uh, the verdict, that would be great. But I know you, you got to get back to business and we got to hit the top of the hour. Again, you could follow it live. Channel 793, Court TV, Vinnie Politan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. All right. We'll also be speaking to Julie Grant from Court TV probably tomorrow. Sirius XM Patriot. You can join me live on the Wilco Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to three east, nine to noon west on Sirius XM Patriot Channel 125.